0: Welcome to Mom's My mama uses bobberts. Thank you for listening. Bye.
1: Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high rise or low rise. This podcast will teach you to love the genes you're in. I'm Rachel and I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby.
2: We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body confident kids. So put your booty in a chair
1: and let's talk mom jeans.
2: Alright, welcome back to this week's episode. Today we're talking about exercise. Oh, I feel like exercise can be like a curse word we mutter at times. And other times, it's a declaration of self-care. We all have a pretty complicated relationship with exercise thanks to an appearance-obsessed culture. So, today's myth that we are going to be busting is... Ah. exercise is for weight loss. So if I'm not going to lose weight, I don't want to exercise. We're going to chat a little bit more about how we hear this myth express itself. And then we are welcoming body positive fitness instructor Holly Max to help us bust this myth even more.
1: Moving our bodies and honoring what our bodies can do, no matter our ability level, is one of the celebrations of the human form. And yet, of course, diet culture took this one too. Damn you, diet culture. (laughs) We so often hear from people that their relationship with exercise and movement is complicated thanks to family history, sports, and athletic endeavors, messages from coaches and teammates, accessibility to forms of exercise and places to exercise, medical conditions or varying ability levels, and our own personal relationship with body acceptance.
2: Yeah, the most common myths we hear about this exercise just around town mostly regard total burnout. I mean, people say things like, I don't want to exercise because I don't see the results quickly. Or I used to run XYZ miles a day, but then I got injured or I didn't have time anymore. So I don't know. I just gave up. Or no matter what exercise I do, it just doesn't feel like it's enough. Another one we hear often is, I don't know what kind of exercise I like to do. And running on the treadmill is just
1: so boring. We also hear a theme surrounding guilt and exercise. You know you have guilt with exercise if you hear yourself saying things like, I don't know what kind of exercise I should be doing. I'm so bad, I I never exercise, but I know I should. So-and-so is so good for getting out there and moving. I'm just lazy and I want to sit around and eat. I probably should exercise, but what if others think I look stupid since I'm so lazy and out of shape? I call this shooting all over yourself. Stop. <laughs> Stop shooting on yourself.
2: But yeah, I mean, since guilt and shame are common themes in all of these examples, we knew we had to help bust this myth by neutralizing exercise or joyful movement, as we prefer to call it, so we can get back to the root of it. The bottom line is that exercise is a celebration of what your body can do. It's not a punishment or a way to change your body. So by shifting the goal from external change to internal motivation of mental health clarity or de-stress or oh, fun, it's possible, we lose any expectations on ourselves and allow movement to connect us to ourselves. So for all of you wondering, oh, that sounds great, Rachel and Tina, but how and is this even possible? So fun little fact for you all, our lovely co-host Tina here is a certified personal trainer and an anti-diet advocate. Imagine that. So I get to throw her this fun little question, Tina, what is beautiful and beneficial
1: about exercise that has nothing to do with external body change? I love this question. When I think about this, I really think about what benefits does exercise provide your life? Well, one, it can be fun. You can find things that you can do that are fun and it may be fun to move your body. It may feel good to move your body. Another angle is that you can do it with people. It can be social. So this could be playing outside with your kids and your family. It could be going to a fun exercise class. It could be going to a running group. All those things can provide that social connection. Another angle, and we it, it's important to not forget it, but exercise is important for our health. It makes our heart strong. It allows our lungs to be strong. It enhances our blood flow and oxygen production. And when we engage in these activities that we like in a way that is joyful for our body, it actually can benefit our health. However, when we are shaming ourselves, guilting ourselves, and shooting everywhere, then we can recognize that this is actual trauma on our body, and it provides no health benefits. And instead, it's injuring ourselves, creating poor mental health. It's isolating us from our family and friends because we're engaging in exercise with no one. So I really encourage those to... Go to our social media page. Go back to our posts on fun movement and joyful movement and really tap into what truly brings joy to you. This could be a mild walk, stretching, doing yoga, going for a run with a friend, playing with your kids in the backyard, but maybe doing that self-assessment and see what really brings joy to your life.
2: Great answer. Yeah, because I think the bottom line is when we believe the myth that exercise is meant to only change our body, we simplify it to only one goal. The goal is steeped in narrow binary thinking with exclusivity and racism woven throughout about how bodies quote unquote should look. So this myth means that only certain exercises are good because they are the most beneficial for body change while the rest are subpar or even worse, a waste of time. This ignores the fact that movement, bodies, and abilities come in all shapes and sizes and forms, and globalizing the motivation for exercise is the only way to be inclusive and
1: affirming and find joy. So our challenge question for you as you explore your relationship with movement is this. If you knew your body wouldn't change, no matter what workout you did, what movement would you choose and why? All right, let's bust this myth. We are busting this myth today with Holly Max, a fitness instructor at Autonomy Movement. She also works in photography and tries to focus on body positive shoots, particularly B- Bourdois. She is also a co-founder of At Fat Babes Movement and tries to make movement more inclusive for all bodies. All right, let's get to it.
2: Well, today we are welcoming Holly to help us bust this myth all about exercise and weight going hand in hand. And if the myth we often hear is if I'm not going to lose weight, then I don't want to exercise. So we are so excited, Holly, that you're joining us today to help us bust this myth. Could you start us off with who you are and why you're passionate about busting this myth?
0: Yes. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here, first of all. Um, So I just want to say I'm a plus size body positive bar instructor for the size inclusive studio here, autonomy movement in Austin. Um, My goal is to make people feel good through movement and joyfully. I think it's so important to be able to celebrate and connect to our bodies through movement. Um, I feel like diet culture has found a way into the fitness industry, which has given us the mentality that exercise equals weight loss, which is just not true. Um, It's so difficult to separate movement from the weight loss ideal just because it's expected if you're moving, particularly in a larger body, the main reason you must be doing it is to lose weight. But yeah, that's, that's internalized
1: fat phobia, right? Like expecting that, oh, if you're exercising, you must be losing weight. And so individuals that live in larger bodies or identify as fat being like, oh, well, good job. You're exercising. You must be trying to lose weight. And that I... Bring awareness to people and being like, that is your internalized fat phobia that, yes, we live in diet culture and maybe that's the experience for X percentage of the general population. But there are there is a way to engage in movement that doesn't equate weight loss. And so I really want to dive deep into that today, because if anything, we can bring to light like it's possible. It's possible to. Like what you're doing, to joyfully move, and to detach changing your body and weight from that movement. Absolutely.
0: Yes. Yeah. Joyful movement is very possible. And I think just the more I've grown up, the more i realized as adults, too, you're just expected to not really have fun anymore in society. You're like, work- workouts have to be rigorous. And like, you're, you know, you go to work and just things aren't supposed to be fun. And Um, when you're a kid, movement's so fun, and you just run and play, and why can't we still do that, or find ways we enjoy doing that?
1: Yes, exactly. I love that, right? Like, let's tap into that inner child, and as adults. That is so true,
2: because kids, they just go outside and just move. They just jump and climb and play, and they're, they're quote-unquote, exercising, but they're just moving, and I joke with my kids, too, sometimes, like, like, mommy's heart rate gets going so fast during Nerf gun battles. Like, I am I am scared. I am running. I am hiding. My kid is, like, pretty lethal with that thing. Like, that is a better workout than any squats in the garage. <laughs> so, and it's fun. And you're laughing. And the endorphins are flying. So, I love probably your business has a lot of laughter and a lot of joy and a lot of fun and movement. So, can you tell us how you have kind of encompassed that world in this, in, in this space? and debunked diet culture in the meantime?
0: So I think it's just like in my classes, what I just try to, you know, try to have really fun music, try to get things started just by kind of dancing, just little dancing it out in ups and stuff, just to get people like loosened up and ready to go. And I always, I just, I try to remind people throughout my classes because bar can be pretty intensive just because it's a, it's, it's low impact, but you're focusing on certain muscle groups all at one time. So you're fatiguing those muscles. So what I try to do, um, because it can be pretty intensive is just remind people to take breaks, really focus on moving your body in a way that feels really good for you. And, um, just really just listening to your body because you're the only one who knows it. You're the only one who knows your limits and what feels good for you. Um, So it's really just about, I just think it's all about connecting to yourself and really honing in on what feels good for you. And sometimes I try to, you know, do different options and stuff just because not everything feels good for everybody. Um, So I definitely try to at least make it enjoyable by telling you, you're allowed to stop. You're allowed to take breaks. You're allowed to jump back in. And yeah, you're allowed to have fun with it. Like you're allowed to, um, just like honor your body by like moving with the beat if you want to, or moving a little bit slower. So just going at your own pace and really just connecting to yourself is really my mission in my classes. I love that. Can you
1: tell us a little bit about what you know about this myth's origin
0: or history? so I was thinking about this but this was a really interesting question um and I was um wondering I I don't know I think the thing that I ultimately think back on and when I like you know when you learn about diet culture and all the different kinds of diets that we've gone through through history I think that really pops out when movement started being involved was Jane Fonda videos and the things that I remember as a kid because like I was really thinking about this and I was like this stuff really like worked because um, I was born in 1991 and I remember my grandma listening to Richard Simmons. Um, I remember doing Taibo in my stepmom's living room with her and just really thinking those workout videos really took off I think in that Jane Fonda era. Like they realized the fitness industry could really um, become a part of that diet culture and get more money. So it kind of skyrocketed from there. and. To this day, we are still, um, you know, you can't find workout videos or fitness classes where people aren't talking about burning off your brunch or earning the pizza you're going to have later. So like, I think it really seems to have started with that Jane Fonda video in (laughs) the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Any way to make a buck
1: or to infiltrate someone's brain that, you know, you got to buy this or this is the new trick or whatever that for me, I'm like, who even knows when this started? It's hard to trace back, right? Because diet culture has been present for so long. So I think you, you, yeah, like those workout videos probably was for our generation, like the pickup and, you know, I don't know. As a kid. Also, just, also fun side note, yeah. Billy
2: Blanks has a karate studio in my town, and my son took a class. <laughs> oh, it. He my like, gosh. <laughs> he is old now. He's just, like, quiet. He's doing these little, like, Taekwondo classes. And I looked at him like, do you know how much money you made making people feel like they had to burn things off? Right, like, yeah. I just I was like, we have a lot to chat about, right. but I'll just let you to
1: your class anyway. <laughs> well, so how do you see this idea of exercise and weight loss being harmful? I think it's obvious to Rachel and myself and you, but let's, let's share with our listeners how this is actually extremely harmful.
0: Well, I, I mean, and I think we probably all have had our own um, harmful relationships with movement ourselves, even if you don't realize it at the time. We're just told that working out and moving is good for you and it, you know and that it generally causes weight loss. And associating movement with that alone really, I think, creates an unhealthy relationship with our bodies and it, makes, it, it creates a disconnect with your body, where you're trying to, where diet culture tells us that not only is it attainable, but it is necessary to mold yourself into this ideal, and that exercise will cause weight loss, which will have the result of you appearing the way that society tells you to. So, um, you know, the idea of weight loss often leads to like an act of desperation, and pushing past our own limits to achieve what is probably unattainable. And we lose trust in our bodies and become really frustrated. And discouraged when we can't mold them into that, you know, that end all be all goal weight that we've all strived for at some point in our lives. And, um, yeah, we, and it's, so you start focusing in the gym instead of on ways you enjoy moving, you're focusing on, okay, what workout will make me burn the most calories or lose the most weight or what's gonna, what's gonna like, give me the results I want. So you're, you're just totally not listening to your body and pushing past your limits. And yeah, it's just, yeah, a whole cycle, if, if we
1: th- a whole cycle. If we think about this idea of body trust, right. And listening to our body signals, then exercising for the intention of body change through being a different weight ultimately says you have to ignore all of that body trust and push through right that's what you're saying but I don't know about you guys but when I engage in movement I'm hungrier okay so I end up engaging in fun movement and then I'm like I'm gonna eat more because if I'm actually listening to my body signals my body ends up telling me oh you need to eat more right and so for those that are trying to exercise for weight change you ultimately have to dissociate from that signal of increased hunger and not trust your body, not trust that that signal is something that's legit. You have to override it, which is ultimately going against this
0: whole body respect, body trust idea. Right. Yeah. Like our literal innate just like our just our nature to just do what our bodies are telling us to do. It's so crazy that we've like gone polar opposite to try to achieve something instead of just like tuning in with ourselves and really trusting our bodies to guide us.
1: Right. And I I have to throw this out there because a lot of the times I work with athletes or those like saying like, well, I actually have to gain weight for performance or something like that. Or you see these actors and actresses changing their bodies for certain roles okay we're going to set all those people aside and we're going to talk about the general population and really just with this general population how can we engage in movement that is fun right so throwing that disclaimer in there of we are not talking about any other individuals that are athletes
0: or actors actresses just just regular people yes um yeah yeah, just average joes yeah totally totally especially because like most of those people can afford to have somebody like a personal trainer and all these and um chefs and people who can literally create their entire meal plans and systems for them to achieve something that's not really attainable to the population Yeah. or realistic (laughs) for their body on a regular basis yes yes Mm -hmm. yes absolutely
1: i'm curious
2: as the clients that you work with and the people that come into your studio, I'm, I'm curious what messages you hear them share about their story and what they're changing in their relationship with exercise, because my guess is a lot of them are new to this concept of joyful movement. In the past, they have just exercised for weight loss, and it has been harmful. And I'm wondering if you could share how you see people really evolve in their relationship
0: with movement in your classes and in your work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people have told me up front that they will be emotional because they have such a triggering relationship. And I try so hard to use the word movement instead of exercise or workout, because those words can tend to be very triggering for some people. But people have told me that sometimes they'll have to like stop because they need to cry, because it is so refreshing and unheard of for an instructor in a fitness um space to allow people to really move in a way that's good for them to remind people to trust their bodies. And um yeah, like I just I I'm always running people like do it constantly in class. Like take a break if you need to. It's totally fine. And um the owner of autonomy Kim, she kind of passes down through us. And we try to tell people that um 90, we want you to use of yours we'd rather use 90% of yourself in this class today and take the 10% with you because we don't want you to exert yourself completely in this class we want you to feel good leaving here to to you know have the rest of your day and to enjoy your life and what you're doing this is just a space to feel good moving so with that I just I've had people just be so grateful for just like honesty too I mean I'll talk about like Different moves that I like to do when I'm giving options about, like, well, my belly gets in the way for this one. And that seems to be like people get really shocked and dirt off to hear that because you're not supposed to like talk about having a belly or any of that kind of stuff or things that aren't going to be perfect in movement. So um, just seeing people like with these things I've learned and just become so used to, just off the bat, like, it's just crazy to see how people um or excuse me just just it's just shocking to see how people like react to just hearing things in a different way because just from one class people seem to be shocked from uh yeah just just being told that your body your your body is like yours and you're the only one who knows what to do with it i hope that makes sense i feel like a out of the (laughs) place
1: no yeah it makes a lot of sense it's You're putting these individuals in charge of their own bodies, which ultimately, yes. And also pointing out some vulnerabilities, right? Like, hey, I'm going to go into this pose and my belly gets in the way. So this is what I do instead. And someone may be like, I wanted to ask because that's what I experienced too. But I've been too scared because every other workout class, I don't feel safe enough to ask that, right? So I feel like that's just, so important. and I love that you're offering that space. I want to shift it over to kind of parents and kids since the podcast is geared towards moms and parents really raising body confident kids and rejecting diet culture. How can parents ultimately support themselves in challenging this myth for
0: themselves so that it doesn't get passed on to their children? This was another thing I was really trying to be mindful of just because I'm personally not a parent yet. Um, but I can absolutely relate as a child who's I've always been in a larger body. Um and you know, I just it made me really think what would have benefited me had my parents not been so concerned with making me smaller. And you know, of course they thought they were doing the best for me at the time, but um I think that the most important thing a parent can do is encourage their children, help them find movement that they enjoy. Um, like I said, you know, kids run around and play and they're not even, they're not thinking of how many calories they are burning or, um, how it's going to affect their appearance at all. Um, and where I kind of first started thinking about that was in Megan Jane Crab's Body Positive Power book. She's Body Positive Panda on Instagram of where I got my start, really learning about all this, she's the one who kind of discussed that play and how kids have fun just running around, um, and that's really, you know, that that really made me think like, where do we lose that, and why do we lose that? Um, so I think it's just important to encourage kids to be able to do that and to just find movement that they enjoy um, and to separate like any like any kind of talk about body image and um, food away from movement I was actually talking to a friend last night about it who who likes taking my classes and she was saying it's so frustrating she said I've been I've been moving a lot lately I've been taking a lot of fitness classes but it's so frustrating because it is so hard to separate thinking about it in a weight loss way or in a way that's not trying to change yourself. And so it's just, yeah, I just, I just want kids. I just feel like we need to talk to kids in a way that's just about moving and really finding out what they like to do early on and encouraging. them. Right. And I think you're,
1: and I think Rachel can probably touch on this more from the therapist angle of supporting your inner child as adults and tapping into that inner child space. But like, Ultimately, what you're saying is, and what I'm hearing you saying is that like, Man, if things were shifted differently for me as a kid than as an adult, there would have been ultimately less work, right? Because I wouldn't have had to dismantle all of these belief systems that were projected onto me, right? So as parents, if we can recognize our own internalized fat phobia, our own internalized diet culture, and how we're projecting that onto our kids, then ultimately we're saving them years and years and years of ultimately therapy and dismantling these ideas. So tapping into the inner child, like as an adult, it's like, okay, what would I do if I was a kid? What do I actually enjoy, right? Like you never see a kid just running on a treadmill, right? They're outside playing tag, but they're running, right? They're they're getting, they're moving their bodies. But to me, it's really tapping into that inner child space as an adult and bringing it back to its true meaning of like, we do deserve to have fun and enjoy this movement that we're actually doing. Can you touch on, Rachel, the inner child piece from a therapeutic level?
2: Yeah, I think the inner child concept is perfect for now because when we get to become adults, it feels like... If our bodies are shameful and we have to change them, then exercise looks one way with one goal in mind, and it becomes very binary. And I think the concept of the inner child and movement goes back to joy and goes back to community and goes back to connection. So I think that it's really amazing for adults to maybe stop and ask themselves, if I knew that my body was not going to change, regardless of what exercise I do or what workout I did, then what movement would I choose? Would I jump on the trampoline? Would I go for a hike in my favorite park? Would I take a bike ride? Would I do hopscotch? I've been jump roping with my kids lately. I I tell you, your heart starts pounding on those jump ropes, and it's fun, and we're laughing but it's all about doing it for fun versus if someone told me, you know, jump rope is a really good cardio burner and you should go out and do that right away, I would be like, I don't want to jump rope. <laughs> like, it beca- it becomes, this, or if I told my kids, like, hey, you know, we're having dessert later so you guys should probably go on a bike ride. They'd be like, I don't want to go on a bike ride. Because it, it loses the, the goal of, hey, let's all connect and go on a bike ride and go see, the neighborhood or go find some leaves that have fallen down or whatever the, the goal is. And so I think if we kind of can go back to the goal is connection, the goal is community, the goal is endorphins, the goal is being able to... I tell my, my son he struggles with ADHD, and I'm like, you know what? Let's go outside and r- ride our bikes and ride our scooters and get some energy out because I know he'll be able to focus on his math homework a little bit better. And that is a beautiful result of moving his body, and that's awesome. That's kind of how his body is designed. And so I think that if we can kind of look at it from a much broader definition and goal, then that really helps us get back in touch with the, the origins of it. Right. And it
1: doesn't these movements don't need to just be, quote unquote, like outdoor activities like Holly runs a bar class, you know, so it's like you can still have organized movement that is still fun, right? And and I think that it's important to find that studio or that instructor that aligns with your values, right? Holly's not in there saying like burn this off. You suck, right? It's like <laughs> hopefully not. You know, it's embracing these core values of like we're all engaging in joyful movement. I love the like save save some of yourself so that you're not totally burning yourself out like it really is hopefully finding that resource out there in your community. If not, there's tons of online classes and I know that autonomy is doing virtual classes. Is that right?
0: Yes, yeah. So right now, um, uh, I and um, my, uh, my my Fat Baby Movement co-founder, Natalie, we both teach body positive bar classes there. Um, virtually hopefully we'll be in the studio soon um but yeah we've been we've both been teaching virtual classes through autonomy um and it's very it's very great and another thing um uh, I will credit Natalie for this because she came up with this that she likes to tell people which I love is um because you, you touched on this earlier but she always says your body is one instructor and I am another so that's one way we really like try to get people to engage yeah and I just I love that. But, um, but yeah. And then another thing I was, um, I was trying, I was trying to say earlier what the, the me of like the Nerf guns and running around their kids is, yeah, like, I think another important thing to do for your kids is to find movement that the entire family likes to do or that you like to do with them. I think creating good memories around joyful movement is so important for kids and to see your parents enjoying movement and trusting their own bodies is so essential. I think that's just I think kids really really need that.
1: Yeah. In this season we've been asking the people that we're interviewing like how can parents have this conversation with their kids in a in a kid-friendly manner? But it mostly sounds like really the conversation is that participation that hey Your kid, the best conversation is going to be doing the fun movement with them, having them see that you hold that positive relationship as well. And they're going to be the ones asking you, hey, let's go play Nerf Gun Wars. Or maybe you can say, let's go on a fun bike ride or whatever it may be, that that can be that um, user-friendly, user-friendly, kid-friendly conversation. Do you have any other suggestions there of how to... Kind of hold those conversations, or if the kids bringing up like, I I heard in class that we exercise for weight loss, or if we eat cookies, we have to exercise, or I was given a handout that said this cookie is four hundred steps or whatever bullshit you know
0: they're being fed in school. What would you suggest? <laughs> I think I honest, I think the first thing I would want to do is ask my kid. Well, how does that make you feel? What do you, what do you, like, I think it's so, another thing that was really making me think about this is I think, um, as a kid, I personally didn't feel like I was asked a lot of these questions growing up, like about movement and what part, like what I like to do or things like that. Like, I think it's so important to see what kids like and how they feel about this and, um, to be able to tell them like, well, you know, some people think that, but that's, you know, it's not what we want to move because it's fun and joyful and you can, you don't have to take 400 steps to eat a cookie. It is okay. And I think it's just so important to reinforce work, like, especially as somebody who's done a lot of inner child work from, from tape, from going to therapy. Um, I think, I think that there's just a lot of nurturing that needs to happen and just reminding kids that they're worthy. No matter if they eat 10 cookies, no matter if they take 400 steps, they're no better, no worse for doing either. So I think it's really just reinforcing those ideals. The other thing I added too was like, um, just like, again, like tuning in with your body and like, I think very small things to help kids um, like have a good path and not have to unlearn things later is to help them celebrate their bodies by saying like, wow look how fast your legs make you move or look how strong you know look how strong your arms are that they let you lift these things up just really again just really like asking kids what they enjoy and um trying to find movement that they like and letting them know they're worthy
2: and i think it's important for some parents to know too that it's okay if your kid doesn't love to move i have some friends who their kids prefer to do more of the mental challenges of the Lego building and the engineering and the computers. And and it is a fine balance, but I think a lot of parents struggle with their own fat phobia and their own fears of what's going to happen if their child does not have a very active lifestyle. So I think it's kind of a important thing for parents to realize that it your child is still – healthy and wonderful even if they don't love to get outside and get on their bikes or if you don't have access to a bike or if you don't have the lifestyle that's able to get outside more often so um I guess my only thought was you know this concept of movement is is very fluid and very flexible and there's lots of different ways to to be exercising our minds and our bodies
0: absolutely I think that's super important um and you know, I I know I've had conversations with people who have had injuries and have disabilities now, and movement's not always joyful for them. Um, so I like ultimately, I think it is really important to find, in the end, what is joyful for you. Like you said, like wh- whether it's mental or physical, um, I think it's just really important to enforce what kids are happy doing. Well, awesome, I
1: wanna open up the space for you to kind of share with our listeners where they can find you and learn more about you.
0: Okay, Um, yeah, for sure. So I am on uh, Instagram as Fat Bar Babe. Uh, So that's B-A-R-R-E. And you can find me at Autonomy Movement. I cannot say enough things about this studio, I love it. The owner, Kim Gould, is amazing. Um, I also recommend my um, um, my Fat Babes Movement page with um, my, my partner, Natalie, who is Body Posi Bar. Uh, she also teaches classes on Wednesdays at six. I teach, we both teach virtually. I teach Mondays at 7 p.m. Central Time and Saturdays at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Sweet.
1: Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. We appreciate you coming on.
0: Thank you. Thank you for
1: having me.
2: That is a wrap on this episode of the Mythbusters series. And we hope this information provides you with a more critical lens when you hear mainstream diet culture messaging. Please reach out to the person interviewed to connect with them in the ways they listed, or you can check out our social media pages at Mom Jean's the
1: Podcast for details on the episode and to find our guests' information. And if you love the episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and recommend this episode to a friend. Sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G and wear the jeans with a J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaBoy. Just a reminder,
2: this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice.
1: Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production.
2: You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com.
1: Follow us on Instagram at momjeanesthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans The Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you.
2: Thanks for listening to
0: Mom Jeans. See you next time.